Okay, we continue in Colossians, and we've been working our way through this beautiful letter that Paul wrote to the church there that he did not know, and we started last week, chapter 3, and I, this is a continuation of what we started last week. We're calling this What's Changed, Part 2. That's a very unique name. <laughs> I love Part 2s. <laughs> Makes it easy for the staff, you know, we just put a Part 2 on the screen and then we can keep going. It's really nice. But in this case, it's really important. Because what I asked last week was you would consider, as we get into this passage that we're in today, of many imperatives, many commands, many things for you and I to do. I want to do them. It's important, the message that we had last week, is what has actually changed in you. Because you haven't necessarily yet done these commands, but something has definitely changed. What I asked you to walk away with was from this passage in Colossians, was what had changed was a new hope that we had. Now, when you and I say hope, what I mean is usually something along the lines of something I'm not sure of. I hope it'll be sunny this afternoon. I hope I have spaghetti for dinner. Neither one of those things might happen because it's a hope that kind of means a maybe. But we have something different. We have this sure thing that's happened forever. And it, it was there in Colossians as we introduced this passage and the, the, all the commands come out of a therefore, and therefore is based on what's just came. And so it was this, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's just a statement of who you are. You've died. Not you might die if you do these commands. You've died. Where's your life? In Christ. So fantastic. And then, and then this hope that's not a maybe hope, it's a certain hope that when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is fantastic and wonderful and totally based on what Jesus has done. So the change that you and I have made is that we've turned from faith in ourselves, from self-orientation, and we've turned to having trust in this outside force, Jesus, who by what he's done for me, I live. And that's that's the change that happened. So all of these things that will happen to me, these statements here are not because of anything I do, but trusting him. And we looked at that last week. And, and because of that, you see there's some links that we want to do. I want you to do them. And we looked last week at a couple negative things. Two main negative groups. One was stop being self-gratifying, particularly in the area of sexuality. Because he goes through that. Last week we went through that. We saw that these things that try to build me up, whether it's coveting for myself, orienting on myself, says you don't have to do that anymore because you died. And your life is with Christ. And then it wasn't only the self-gratification, it's also not only have I died, that's a plural you. You died too. And if that's true, we're something so special, you and I both experiencing the love of God in Christ, that I, I why would I tear you down? Thus we had anger and wrath and malice and slander, those things that tear each other down that actually we don't have to be about anymore. So we looked at those things, and but the hard part about it was... It's hard for me anyway. They're all negatives. Don't do this and don't do that and don't do that and don't do that. Today we get to flip it and look at positives. 
hey, it's not just these negative things to avoid. There's also these direct lines we get to make, you and I do, from our new hope to what comes out. And it's fantastic, and I want to share it with you. We ended last week with this, verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. You see, it doesn't matter how moral you are or not, how well-placed you are or not, how much money you make or how foolish you've been. It doesn't matter any of those things. All that matters is Jesus. So I don't think in light of recently, it was Martin Luther King's kind of celebration we did, that, that we have a dream. It's in light of us all being the same. But the sameness we have is not based on ethnicity or lack thereof. It's around the same hope. And it does something to us. This new hope we have, that's the change. And so the dream that I have is that our church might be like Colossians says, like Paul writes this morning. Feel it with me. Let's go through. We'll look. First, you got to see the change. That's always so central and so important. So I want to poke at you again because it's right here in the text. As we start, we really start with verse 12. That's where we pick it up of Colossians chapter 3, walking through it. Verse 12 says this. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. There's a comma. He's going to keep going, but I'm going to stop there. There's five things there that he says to, to, to sort of put on. You gotta see this. Gotta see this. Why put on? Put on then as what? God's chosen. Now, now, not put on to be chosen, not do these things so that you're chosen. Because God's chosen you, and you know it. Why do I know it? I've got this change. What's the change? I was hoping in myself, but now I hope in Jesus. What does he say? If you do, you're chosen of God. That's so cool. I'm elect. Because you're that. And not only that, huh? He says, because you're holy. Very interesting. He doesn't say, in order to get holy. These are not commands to get holy we're about to look at. You are holy, he says. I'm describing you. And I'm going to say that because you're this way, these are the actions that are connected to it. But it's not to get holy. It's amazing. The Lord declares, you have this hope, that's the change, that Jesus Christ is my holiness. I'm holy. You're holy. That's not sin-free, don't get me wrong. But, but it's not dependent on any of these put-ons and put-offs. He's giving commands to people that he already calls holy. There's one more, huh? Isn't that cool? Holy and beloved. The Lord has set his love on you. He did it. He set his love on you in Christ, and we died, and we put our faith in Christ, and therefore we have this amazing, wonderful love, God's love for us, and it doesn't depend on accomplishing these things. In fact, it's a precursor to it. So some people will say of this, as we start get started, of be who you are, Act your age, something like that. But this is actually, I think, deeper even. God considers you his. You are holy and beloved by him. And this is what you act out of. None of these commands is in isolation. Please don't hear do this or else because it's not here. Your dad, he loves you. 
And he says you're holy, and he says you're beloved, and so you are. And these statements are by God. And we who are not a people, we are now a people. We who are far from God, now we're near him. We who are unholy and profane, now we're uncommon and clean and and holy. This is all done by God. This is no connection to my doing. And and I'll tell you what, this truth is going to allow us to be self-forgetful. We don't have to worry about that stuff. If you don't get here, then the commands we're about to do are, are not going to help you because you're going to think they're toward something. And, and indeed, the world does this. Come on. If you're a guy, if you're a gal, you've probably read leadership books. We like leadership. They take a lot of them. I've read several that basically will take the commands we're about to do. And I'm, I already read them so I can tell you. Like, be kind and be humble and be gentle. And they take the principles and they say, this is how you succeed in business. Look, man, if you're a leader who's approachable and humble and you're not a proud person, then you will do better in your business. And guess what? They're right. Principles like this are good. That's not what we're talking about. If you take Christ out of it, you got nothing. So here we are, and we want for sure to be humble and to be kind, to be forgiving, and not just because they're wise principles. Sure they are, but without you knowing your change, you'll be tempted to make them into simply wise principles. And they're more. They're more. Because the change you have. Okay, so so here we go. Let's look at these again. Change matters, you know. This change you've had, that we've shifted from hope in ourselves, from self-orientation, self-righteousness, self-justification, and we've, we've, we've been broken of that, and in humility, here we come over here, and, and we've taken on Christ, and we have put our trust in him, and this is the change. Out of that come some amazing things. Change actually does matter. Okay, look at verse 12 again. There it is. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. First it says put on. This idea is almost like you would put on new clothing. Like put on this new clothing. I don't know about you, but well, I went shopping yesterday. Hey, I'm sorry. It's no fun. Pure guy. Shopping's terrible. I don't like it. But it wasn't for me. It was for the kids. So that made it much more fun because I got to watch as their eyes lit up when they saw new clothes. And I don't know about you, but when they were younger, we always shopped at like we runs down over here. So the, the store is way cheaper. You get clothes that have been used before, but they can't even tell. But at this point in their lives, they can tell. <laughs> they know. And not only do they know, they're like, we, do we don't want, we, so you go and you still find it's not that much more expensive, really, if you're careful. But, but here they are. And when they look at stuff, their eyes light up. They want to try on everything. And when they got to go home with their new clothes, and that's it, they're wearing their new clothes, they're going to wear to school. It's just so fun for them to put on their... That's this thought. It's not, oh, i got to get my clothes on. It's, I got new clothes! <laughs> Look, Dad! It's really fun. Look at the things you get to put on because of your new change. That's this idea. Look, you've got new clothes. And then he gives these, these five particular things. Right? The first one, it says, compassionate hearts. So that's the first thing that he, he wants you to put on. Right? It says literally put on these, and the word is there is mercy in your loins. That sound good? 
It says, like, sympathy in your stomach. Put on a sympathetic stomach. Because that's where they thought the emotions were. And this idea of mercy or compassion, it's, it's this deep, heartfelt care. It says you, you put that on for, for other people is the idea, right? I see a fellow believer, my heart is for them. I'm not against them. I'm not wanting to separate and divide and tell them all the wrong things they're doing. I want to encourage and be for them. That's the very first thing. If this change has happened, say, hey, you got new clothes, put it on. You don't longer see somebody as a threat. You see somebody as somebody you want to be closer to. Really cool. This is because of God's great mercy. We can see it. We see that the heart of God toward me has been one of mercy. Mercy even when I was a sinner. We get to think about putting that on together. Then there's kindness. Kindness. These are our new clothes. So the next thing is kindness. Kindness is, is, is this idea of you're thinking of the best for someone all the time. You're, but really it's a little bit more soft in a great way. The word was used for, um, in Greek for wine. I know a lot about that. <laughs> no, I don't. But, but I read it's about wine. Wine, when you first get it, is kind of bitter and hard and harsh tasting. And over time, it mellows and becomes smooth. And the word for this is, is kindness of the wine. That it gets mellow, not hard. If you say, well, I don't, I don't like that kind of imagery, Dax, you say, fine, but l- let's look at the Bible for a minute. Here's, here's a word from Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. It says, for my yoke is easy, says Jesus, and my burden is light. That word easy is the same word here that's translated kind. My yoke is easy. You feel that? He's not saying, oh, it's so simple. No, he's saying it, it it's a softness to it. There's, it's not a harsh wit. It, it's an easiness, a softness, and that's kindness. And we get to put that on. So see, this is my dream for us, is that we would be a people now because of the wonderful softness of God towards me. That starts to filter into my heart towards people. That that's what he's saying, right? Easy, not harsh, not heavy-handed. And you can see pretty easily how this is connected to the gospel. You died and your whole hope is in the action of someone else for you. How could you ever be demanding and heavy, harsh? Everything you have has been given to you. Everything I have has been given to me. So kindness is our clothing, and he, he goes there. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Humility, most of us know. I mean, we think of it as lowliness of self or self-debasing. And, 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 and I think that that's, there's truth to that. But I, I think the best one, he said, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. That's directly, there you are. It says, hey, now, because of the gospel, here I am, I'm able to, to, to not even worry about me and just be about my neighbor, others. This isn't so much character as it's a reality, right? It's so central to the gospel. You are nothing. You are no better than anyone else. And yet God in his great mercy, he's blessed you beyond belief. And here you have it all. It's humbling that it's nothing of me and only of Christ. I don't have better works. I I don't have better morals. I, I don't have anything to commend me to God better than other people. And once you get that and start to realize what your change is, is this trust in Christ. You you can do that. You can say, okay, here I come, to realize it's nothing of me. It's all of Christ all the time. 
Remember the Pharisee and the publican? Remember that story in Luke 18 where the guy comes before you to pray and he says, Oh God, thank you so much that you've made me so good. Not at all like that guy over there. Yeah, I'm pointing at you. And he's proud of his own goodness. Then there's the guy he pointed at. He's at the other side going, Lord, beating his breast. Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. I got nothing. That's humility, right? And Jesus says the one who went away justified was that second man. We don't have anything. We have just this trust that Jesus did it for us. And because of that, actually, that's a change in how we're, we're, we're prone to think otherwise. So we've got to get for us things that we need to do. Humility. That marks us. And then there's meekness here. Kindness, humility, meekness. Meekness, this is often translated gentleness. It's, it's this idea of not imposing. It means you're strong, but you're not imposing that strength on people. You're, you're not out, out there to push your own peace. I mean, look at this, and again, to our Savior, a couple of verses before in Matthew 11, he said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, here's the word, gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So we have this peace where the change that's happened in us of our transferring from our own merit-based system, transferring over to this receiving the gift of Jesus, that now we can be gentle. Gentle means we, we don't have to impose on people. We're, we're a people that, that others find rest around. Allowing other people to find rest with you, you are for them and you're not imposing, you're humble. It all paints this beautiful picture of what we could be. And then there's patience. Again, patience is something we use a lot. I mean, isn't it about other people's sin, though? A lot. Foolishness of others doesn't drive us to sarcastic cynicism or to despair. It's the opposite of defensiveness or retaliation or revenge. It's just willing to let time go by, not having the right and imposing some peace, but being patient with other people's failings, or even your own, or the poor insight of other people that they don't understand, but you're not going to hit them, you're going to wait. You're going to be patient. So so not saying to other people, you've got to have these characteristics, but wanting others to experience them from you. This is a beautiful, and they all kind of go together. It's just a, a wonderful picture that he, he paints for us of what, what it's like to respond to the gospel, to respond to this new hope. And I just, I want to point out a couple things before we move on. One is I just want to point out that all of these things Paul's after are heart issues, right? I mean, he's not saying that the, what happens is that you, and he, he's, he's wanting you to try and get granular about the application of it because you can ap- apply it in 25,000 different ways. We're, we're tempted not to see this and so to say, well, if you really have um, compassion, you'll serve at the homeless ministry on Tuesday night. That would be wonderful. Do it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, it might be a real act of compassion on your part. But that's not what he's talking about, right? He's saying all the things you do and all the ways you are, you are a person who is like this. 
You know you. He's saying that your changed hope leads you and should lead you towards self-forgetfulness and towards a softness towards other people. You might not be able to help them get where they want to go. The idea is not, because this is where the world goes, they go, hey, it's, this is not an end. This is not the main goal of your life. It's coming out of what's happened. The world makes it the end so that this is what you have to do. This is only get the... So I'll give you a couple examples. Here's one. My, my child right now, she wants to do an aerial. You guys know what an aerial is? Help some of you shake your head because I have no idea. But I do now. So it's where you do a um, cartwheel but without the hands. So you do the whole flip and your head just goes but there's no hands. And I was like, that sounds like the most foolish thing in the world. I'm an ex-doctor, you know, I'm just having these visions of cracked skulls and blood and all that stuff in hospitals. So I'm, I'm thinking, oh, that's terrible. But, but that's, I don't, I don't say that to her, of course. I say, hey, that's interesting. You have that heart, you want to do it. That, that, but, but I'm not enabling her to do it. I'm, I'm sympathetic with her that she wants it. I'm trying to understand her. She's sad with me. She said, dad, dad, you, why didn't you give me gymnastics classes more? You could have enabled it. If you have compassion towards me that I want to do it, why didn't you enable it? Why didn't you got this gymnastics I could do? When instead, for as her, you know, parents, we don't do classes every single day of the week. We thought it was more important for her to do piano and some dancing. So do I lack compassion for her desire? No, no, no. I can have compassion, I can talk with her, I can even say, hey, you know, it's probably maybe foolish for you to try and do that right now when you have no skill to do it and you just want it. I can sit with her in the truck. I use that to mean kind of this illustration where someone's driving their truck down the road and they slide into a ditch. And the thing that you drive up to them next to them and the thing we think compassion is or kindness is or gentle, let's get them out of the ditch, that's how you're going to... Sometimes really compassion is you go sit in the truck with them. Say, hey, here I am in the truck with you. I love you, kid. I get it. You have things that you want to do that you can't do. Dad's got it, too. I'll never be president. No, I didn't say that. That would be terrible. <laughs> Nor do I want to be president. But but you know the reality of that. Just to say, hey, compassion, heart, kindness, gentleness, they're not, they're not necessarily that you're enabling the person to do where they want to go. To be, use another example, people come in in the church all the time who are homeless and they'd like to get bus t- passes and the church doesn't do bus passes. We do food. We give people food. We hand out bags. You guys give money. It's fantastic. We pass out food. That's what we think we can do. But that doesn't mean I don't have sympathy for someone who comes in and wants to get to Alaska. I'm okay that they want to go to Alaska. I'll say, hey, I get it. You want to get there. But that doesn't mean that that's what we're going to do is to enable them to get to Alaska, right? Because that's not what we do. So so sometimes the compassion and the heart and the different things we have, it's how you are. It's not oriented on, well, then you've got us to get everybody's knee and get them all met because that, no, 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 back up. It's a response to the gospel. It's you being who you are. It's you being a compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient person. So that's, that's one thing. And the other thing, I just want to make sure you see how connected to this hope this is. I, I kind of been stressing that all the way through, but you need to see it. You need to really feel it, I hope. I mean, we should put on these things, but they're not disconnected to the change. They have to flow from it. These things become beautiful to me. Because I see how they're connected to this change that I have, that I hope in Jesus. My hope in Christ and my understanding that you hope in Christ, and this is our change, becomes the ground out of which this whole way of life here that's described becomes beautiful. 
It's not something that I'm grabbing. It's something I say, look, what's changed? I want to do this. I do. I want us to be like this. We put these on directly because of the hope that we have, and there's several more. They're even more tightly tied to what's happened to us and what's changed in our own hope now being in Christ. Look with me. Verse 13, because he keeps going, it's a comma, these five things, and he says also here, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So we, we put on bearing with others, what? In their wrongness, right? I'm bearing with the things I don't like about other people. And they're falling down, not cutting them off, but wanting to forgive. And I get that because, because the Lord's been so, the Lord has been kind to me when I'm ugly. His steadfast love never fails. So I, I see it, but then he says this forgiving thing, and I just want to point out, it's really fun. I mean, the importance of forgiveness is huge. But this, this phrase right here, where it says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. The words must forgive, aren't even in the verse. Well, why did they write it? Because feel it, feel it. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also. Literally what it says. You see where the emphasis is? You see where the weight is? Do you taste the forgiveness of God? Because the Bible says, and we're really clear on it, right, that he who has been forgiven much, you can fill it in, right? Forgives much. If I would sense, if you would sense the great forgiveness of God for you, the depth of the forgiveness of God for you, oh, you would forgive easily. And this is the emphasis here. As the Lord has forgiven you, and he has. Oh, the wonder of it. He's done it. In Christ, he sent his son, and he, he died on the cross for our sins, all the sins I've ever done, all the sins I'll ever do, all of them. So you also. And you feel it, not as a hard command, but as a depth of what God's done, right? It's, it's simply amazing. We've been utterly forgiven by God to the point where he has embraced us. And I think of, if you, if you don't, I mean, I think of one of my favorite parables, the prodigal son there in Luke 15, where, where the younger son comes to the dad and he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me the money that I'd get when you die, because I want it now, dead father. And the dad doesn't say, get out of here, kid. He says, okay. Here, kid, have it. He goes and squanders it, and he runs from the dad, and he's in his dregs, and he's living with pigs, and he's starving. He finally thinks, man, I'd love to be a slave in my dad's house. And he comes back to running and, 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 and walking to the dad's house, probably in some shame and guilt and fear. And the dad sees him from a far way off, and he picks up his robes, and he runs out, and he grabs him, and he hugs him, and he restores him. That, 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 that's a picture of us. Not the dad, <laughs> the kid. And the great Father that we have who embraces us when we're still a sinner. We don't deserve it for a second. And, and, and there it is, and that forgiveness. And, and out of that, we forgive, right? If you believe the gospel, you've been forgiven so much, and that's the flavor of the command. Do it, of course, but it's so central to your understanding that, that, that this is what happens. Forgive. And above all, verse 14 Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Oh, love. 
that reflects all of this, right? 1 Corinthians 13, you can go through and it says love is patient, which we've already had. Love is kind. So you've got these pictures of pieces that have already been described even right here. And really, love is what it's about. It's what we've been urged to put on. And it binds it all together. Why? Because God is love. If you really want to describe what God has done for you and me, you're describing the change that you and I have discovered is this reality that I can't earn my way to heaven even a little bit. I've got to put my all my rocks, all my eggs, everything I have in this trusting the love of God for me. First John 4 where it says that while we were yet sinners, he died for me. It's talking about his love, his love that doesn't end. And, and, and therefore this binding together is something we desire, we long to experience together between each other. Why? Because it reflects the new hope we have. Put it on, says Paul. Of course put it on. That's what this experience of life is, is the experience of love. So you, th- you think through with me so far, and all the things we've talked about, they all reflect right relationships. We're really talking about how the church should function in light of such a great salvation, the hope, the assured hope we have in Christ, right? Our relationships are restored, and the Bible word for that is peace. And that's where he goes. He says, and let the peace of Christ, verse 15, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. This isn't, don't fight, you guys. Don't have squabbles. No, this is, this is deeper. This is peace. There's a, a rightness. Go ahead, take it in. A sense of rightness in relationship. Not because no one sins. Not because you do things rightly. But because you are called by God to one body. That in my, in my daily living, boy, if you guys follow me around, I don't deserve right relationship with anybody. I'm about as holy as a bag of pork rinds. I shouldn't say that. I don't think that actually pork rinds are pork. Pork feet. And yet God, in his great love for me, he's made me holy by the blood of Christ. And he's made you holy too. So we have this connection, you and I. It's a rightness. Where's the rightness? In the blood of Christ that's covered us. And so I actually have a connection with you. It's a connection of right relationship. And it's not based on how well you're doing. It's not based on whether or not you did great things today for God. It's actually the opposite. It's based on on, on what God has done for you and me. And it makes things right, you see. And that brings us thankfulness because, oh, all of us, and even that's the description of the Bible then, is that we're being fit together like a temple, Ephesians says, one body with different parts. And, and so we're all joined, even though we don't deserve it. I don't, I don't deserve to be joined to you. You don't deserve to be joined to me, but the Bible describes it this way. Really amazing. I want to base my peace with you on what I've done for you or what you've done for me, and instead we're to base it on the calling of God to one body. He made it all right for me and for you, and so we are at peace. Even though I don't think you're very socially aware, even though you think I care too much about worldly things, even though I love cars and you prefer reading, even though I like to eat two donuts and you don't even think donuts are food, You're right. 
and Chinese and different things say that, right? There's so many things that don't matter that we make matter. And, and instead, what matters is this connection we have. And Chinese, which work on this whole system, was I'm in China for a year, this system of, of favors that you have relationships with people based on what you've done for them. So I would do things for you, and I'd keep a little book knowing all the things I've done for you. So at the appropriate time, I can draw in the favor. It's called Guanxi. Well, they have a statement that says it doesn't matter, and the actual statement is Mei Guanxi. There's no Guanxi in this. It doesn't matter. So many things in our life are like that. It doesn't matter. Dorian, it's of nothing, the French would say. And and actually should describe many of the things that we care too much about because we forget that our relationship is based on the connection you and I have in Christ. That's where he's going. This is what we need to talk to one another about is our shared hope in Christ. This is where it comes from. We need to get the message, and that's where he ends. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. See, he's not saying it's great, memorize your Bible. Your Bible's so good for you to understand. But he's not saying memorize your whole Bible. He's saying let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What you really want is this message about who Jesus is. You want to learn of him and understand that this is your hope. This gospel message. Everything Everything is Christ. Dwell on your Savior. Talk him up. Teach others. Admonish people when they get him wrong. In wisdom, pull him back to who Jesus really is. And it's it's with singing. We sing about him. That's why we sing these songs. We express thankfulness to him. This is all about a focus on Jesus. Not on your ability to be doctrinally right, but about focusing on the one who saved you. In fact, every single thing we do is about Jesus. Whatever you do, verse 17, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything. That means everything. It is about Jesus. That's a statement of the wonderful reality you and I are in now, saved by Jesus, put into God's family. Everything's about him and what he's done, not about you and what you've done. So we live in utter thankfulness no matter what comes our way. This is beautiful. So you see why? You see why I'd say I have a dream. I have a dream that this is what we'd look like, that we'd be eager to put on new clothes. But I have to end with this is that um, you don't look like this a lot of the time. Got to deal with reality. Right? New clothes, I love to put them on, and they're given, that can, they're available, because what's changed? My hope is no longer in me. I rejoice at the beauty of what's ours. We have beautiful clothes to wear, but we don't wear them very well. It doesn't mean I shouldn't try. (laughs) Don't try to be what is beautiful and lovely. No way. Do it. Of course not. Blessings on you if this describes you on a regular basis. This is beautiful because it reflects the hope that we have in the gospel. But I'll tell you what, I, I don't meet too many people who this describes them all the time. I'm talking to me in the mirror. Right? I mean, aren't don't you don't you think? I mean, when we, we fail, I how can you say you have compassion when you don't when you save more for your retirement than give to other people. How can you say be patient, but you really, you show frustration all the time? 
How can you say forgive when you have a mind like a steel trap about all the wrongs that people have done for you? How can you put these commands on people when you fail yourself? This is not meant to cause you guilt. And that's, I guess, where I'm going. If you hear guilt, if your heart doesn't leap for joy at the beauty of what these things are, and you say, i got to get my clothes on and I love it, and if you say instead you feel like, man, I'm not there, I wish I was more there, the pathway to get there is to return to your hope. That's the path. You do things that are beautiful to you. you got to get these things to be beautiful to you. They get beautiful to you if you realize what a picture they are of how you've shifted from yourself and building up yourself and getting yourself stronger, and I don't care about other people, I'm on me, to Jesus is everything, is my only hope. That's where the life is. If you're lacking, come back to the wonder that Jesus has paid it all. He doesn't say, here are the rules, buddy, get to work. He says, I adore you. Dwell in that with me, and the frustrations can peel away. Dwell in the wonder of how he's loved you and loves you still, and gentleness can come. If you will stop being the one who's the judge and the controller and the police, and instead be the receiver, the poor, and the needy, that's where we live. And by the way, as you begin to apply that and live in it, I'll tell you it comes, because here's what happens. You, you hear these commands... And they, 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 I look at them and I really look at be gentle and kind and compassionate and love always. And I look at these things and I start to get, oh, oh, I wish it was me. You know that burst in me? Something called humility. I can't. Where do I go? I go to the cross and I say, Jesus. And that's actually developing me. One of the things that this actually says to do. I, I, I see. I have to exercise all the time in my own life patience because I'm not who I should be. What is that doing? It's driving me to the cross to continue to be patient. So God's developing these things in you. Even when you don't see it, these being developed. But the, 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 the heart of it, the heart of it is the change that has happened to you and me. What has changed? Change is I am so set. The Lord has paid for me forever. I died. My life is hid in Christ. I am blameless and holy, not on my own, by Christ alone. And the more we can understand and dwell in that, the more you can be beautiful in the way that beauty really is. Man, may we put on our clothes. Let's pray.